Thank you for joining us for Revive the Drive, a ministry of the Bethany Fellowship of Churches. We live in a world where time is a precious commodity. One of the avenues for reviving our souls is the necessary commute to and from the many places our schedules take us. As the wheels of the car begin to turn, join our panel and set the wheels of your mind in motion as you consider the significance and impact of theology on everyday life. Let's listen in as our pastors talk theology. Thank you for joining us for Revive the Drive. Uh, This session, we're going to consider the doctrine of justification. That's a big word, isn't it? It's a word that we don't often use in everyday conversation, and yet it's a word that often is used in the Scripture to describe a very important aspect of our salvation. And so we're going to discuss during this session what justification is. How do we define it? How do we understand it? We're also going to discuss some wrong views or unbiblical views regarding justification. And finally, we're going to consider how is it that God, who is righteous and just, how can he declare people who are guilty of sin as righteous ones? How does that happen? So let's first consider this question of what justification is. And today, again, we have Art Georges and Daniel Bennett with us. And so, Art and Daniel, uh, let's talk about this together. What would you say justification is? Well, there's a lot of aspects to justification, but I would say justification means to be declared righteous by God. Uh, Romans, we've talked, anytime you're going to talk about salvation, obviously you have to spend a lot of time in Romans, and in the first three chapters of Romans, we see our our great need for God's righteousness. And you get this sense as you go through the first three chapters of God's righteousness, of Romans, these first three chapters of Romans, that God's righteousness is this commodity that that is more valuable than anything else that you could ever imagine and cannot be obtained by, by, by anything that we can do. So it has infinite value, and it's infinitely removed from us, this righteousness of God. Over and over again, we see different people that presumably could be declared righteous or have an excuse for their lack of righteousness, and Paul says, no, no, they, they have no excuse before God. No one's righteous. And then we come to Romans 3, and we see how this righteousness can be obtained. In verse 21, he says, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation or satisfaction by his blood to be received by faith. Why? This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So what it means is that you and I, who need God's righteousness more than anything else in the world, receive God's righteousness through faith. And he, he declares us righteous as we place our faith in his son, Jesus Christ. He becomes both, he stays just and he justifies us. Yeah, it's, Paul's talking about a legal kind of idea as we stand before God as judge. The one commodity we need is righteousness. 
without righteousness, then God as the just judge is going to condemn us as guilty before the law. And yet uh, this justification, this declaration of righteousness is available to us uh, through Christ. And I love that verse 28 of Romans 3 as we continue reading that. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Mm-hmm. And in the series on salvation, we keep coming back to that theme, don't we, that our salvation, uh, our adoption, our regeneration, now our justification is all on the basis of our faith in Christ, and it's not on the basis of our works. And And it's in justification that we really see the reason why, because if we were to stand before God as a righteous judge and he were to pass sentence on us, it doesn't matter how many good deeds we have committed. Uh, a judge is only going to consider the, the wrong deeds and judge us on that basis. And so if we uh, desire to be able to be justified or declared righteous as we stand before God as judge, then it's going to be on the basis of faith and not works. Right. Yeah, it's interesting that Paul, as Daniel has said, has labored for all of those chapters to uh, to send the message that all uh, are unrighteous. They've fallen short of God's glory, but through faith in Jesus Christ, they can have that unrighteousness removed and receive the righteous standing of Jesus Christ through faith. And what a glory that is. Now, how, how, or how do you think that justification, Art or Daniel, how do you think justification connects with regeneration, this idea that we're given new life, or other aspects of our salvation like sanctification. What place does justification have in this salvation that we experience in Christ? Yeah, I would say um, that we best understand justification as that legal declaration, that legal standing that we have before God. Uh, But with that, God changes our heart in regeneration so that we have placed our faith in Jesus Christ, and we have a new heart, a new desire to be in relationship with God, to be pleasing to him. Uh, but that's, uh, that is with our justification, but it is not our justification. Our justification is that legal standing. So you're saying that, that a person who's justified is necessarily also uh, born again or made new, that there's no one who's justified, declared righteous without also experiencing this real change. That's right. Yeah, it's not some sort of scam on the on the books of righteousness that, that God does. Like, okay, I'll just kind of borrow from this account and put it here. There's a real transaction that takes place that allows us to, in Second Corinthians 5, 21, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Right. Yeah, and, and we see that in the Old Testament, don't we, of, of the uh, promise of the new covenant where uh, we would be cleansed, forgiven, but we would also receive this new nature, this new heart, and we'd receive the Holy Spirit that would help us to walk in his word, in his law, in his statutes. And so there's not only a cleansing and a right standing, but also a new nature. So in that being declared righteous uh, through our justification, we're freed from the penalty of sin because no longer is there any more condemnation for us if we are declared righteous, not guilty before the the law uh, of God, the the courtroom of God. And we're we're also, though, 
being presented with the merits of Christ's righteousness. So it's not just being declared uh, that we are not guilty, but that we also have been declared righteous, that we possess the righteousness of Christ right. in us. Right, and that's necessary to stand in God's presence, isn't it? That's that's exactly right. So, so what are some unbiblical ideas uh, regarding justification that that some may hold to and teach? Well, I think uh, one of them that uh, uh, has become prominent uh, is that uh, justification is is something that uh, we receive upon glorification. It's not over until it's over. And so, in other words, it's not a legal declaration, but rather it's a process. Okay, so so justification is a is a point in time action, right? And and uh, but our sanctification is is more of a process, an ongoing thing. And so sometimes people confuse those two and kind of mesh them together so that in sanctification we would say we're continually being sanctified all the way till the day we stand before Christ when that process is completed. But we can say we've been justified. That's we've right. been justified That's fully right. and freely. That's right. In fact, Scripture says that uh, because of our justification, we are already seated in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. Uh, so there's already a place for us up there. That's our uh, positional uh, sanctification or justification. Uh, however, in practice, uh, Scripture gives a great deal of exhortation and command that we would live according to the fact that we're already seated in the heavenlies and practically be sanctified. That is our practical sanctification. And it's not just um, Roman Catholics that are changing the, the ter- terms like justification and uh, righteousness. Uh, N.T. Wright is a, a scholar that a lot in the ev- a lot of people in the evangelical community have enjoy reading, and, and there's some some things he's written that are, are very good. But uh, I'm very concerned with the direction he's taking the doctrine of justification. He sees justification not as a, a, a an event that takes place in the present, but he also sees it as a future event. He says in, in one of his works, he, uh, he I believe this is uh, Paul in Fresh Perspective. He said, um, I'm sorry, this is New Perspectives on Paul. He says, this declaration, this vindication occurs twice, this justification. It occurs in the future, as we have seen, on the basis of the entire life a person has led in the power of the Spirit. That is, it occurs on the basis of works in Paul's redefined sense. And near the heart of Paul's theology, it occurs in the present as an anticipation of that future verdict. When someone responding and believing in obedience to the call of the gospel believes that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. And so he sees justification ultimately as a future event, not as a, a present declaration that a person has received God's righteousness. In fact, he redefines the righteousness of God that, that we've already been seeing in Romans chapter 3 and, and 5. He redefines the righteousness of God to mean covenant faithfulness. So it's something far different than what we've described Mm -hmm. thus far. And yet what we find in Scripture is this sort of courtroom language that's used uh, to describe justification. So, for instance, in Romans 8, uh, 33 and 34, 
this declaration of righteousness or this justification is contrast with the declaration of guilt, of condemnation. He says, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? Mm-hmm. So it's a courtroom. Who's going to bring a charge against the people whom God has chosen? It says, it says it's God who justifies. God's the one who declares righteous. Who is he that condemns? Who is the one who is able to declare someone guilty? He says, well, it's Christ Jesus. But Christ Jesus is the one who died and was raised to, to life and is at the, hand of the, right, at the right hand of God and who's interceding for us and, and who died so that we might be justified. So, so we no longer have anyone in that courtroom who is able to declare us righteous other than the one who purchased for us our justification, uh, mm-hmm. that, that right to be declared by God as righteous and blameless. Moreover, so, yeah, moreover, the Apostle Paul's uh, old perspective, biblical perspective, wars against, and he writes, uh, redefining uh, perspective of righteousness, and that uh, Paul makes the argument that Abraham was justified much earlier than his death, much earlier than his failures uh, in walking faithfully with God. But it says that, uh, as recorded back in Genesis, that uh, Abraham believed and it was credited to him, accounted to him as righteousness because of his faith. Yep. And it's it's a past tense, isn't it? It's yep. something that we can say has happened. And that's why, you know, there's this exaltation in Romans 8 uh, that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And then in Romans 5, for having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. If a person hasn't been justified past tense, they have no present peace with God. And, of course, we brought this verse up as well, Romans 10.10. With the heart one believes and is justified. Again, that's that's a past tense action. And with the mouth one confesses and is saved. And so he's using this idea of salvation, of individual salvation from sin, with and connecting it with this idea of justification of the individual as well uh, in that great courtroom of God. So what are some practical applications that we would draw from uh, our joy in the justification that God offers us in Christ? What happens? What difference does this make? And, and how does this change the way we worship God and live for him? One that uh, Paul points to in Romans chapter 5 is that uh, our justification brings about a new relationship with God, one which is uh, where we are at peace with God and God is at peace with us. Uh, there's no longer his condemnation or wrath upon us, and uh, we are at peace with God. Shalom, as the Hebrew mind would talk about it, a right relationship, a right standing before God. Yeah, and and how, how does God do that? So God is just. He's righteous as the judge. And as he says in uh, his word, he will by no means allow the guilty to go unpunished. And so how is it that he is able to look at us who are guilty as we stand before him in his courtroom and declare us to be not guilty, and even more than that, declare us to actually be righteous in his sight? How does that work? Yeah, while we were his enemies, Christ Christ died for us. Romans, we've already talked about how Romans tells us that he's the, the just and the justifier. He He works to accomplish the the work necessary in order to declare us righteous. And so we that brings up another practical benefit to this doctrine of justification is just assurance in our relationship with, with God. If 
if my justification depended upon my works, then there would be a, a lot of trembling that I would have, you know, that I'd step out of bounds again or somehow lose that, that status before God. But because God himself accomplishes that justification, I have assurance in my relationship with God and to pursue it in a more, uh, in a deeper way. And c- continuing that passage in Romans 5 that Art was, was reading, it results in rejoicing. You know, verse 11, more than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've now received reconciliation. And so the, the end result of all this, the end result of our reconciliation is a, a greater depth to our, our praise and worship of God. Mm-hmm. So God can look at us uh, as cleansed because of the work of his son, mm-hmm. our Savior Jesus, uh, because of his death and his payment. Uh, his God's wrath has been satisfied even for our future failings. And yet uh, we know that God is not blind to our sin. Uh, he treats us now as children, and he lovingly disciplines us so that uh, as we are already positionally justified and sanctified, we will be practically sanctified by his loving uh, discipline and encouragement and uh, moved along towards the finish line of faith. Mm. Yeah, it's, uh, God's judicial punishment for our sin was placed upon Christ on the cross, and that's that's why the cross is central to the Christian faith. It, it is the symbol which, which we recognize as representing who we are. Um, Jesus did not stay upon the cross. He finished the work of, of suffering underneath the just penalty of our sins so that we could be free. And then when we believe in him, his righteousness then is imputed, transferred into our account, into our lives, so that I love that, that benediction in Jude, now unto him who is able to keep you even from stumbling. And that's our sanctification, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But he goes on to say, and to present you faultless before his presence with exceeding joy. Isn't that amazing that that Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Advocate, will one day present us, sinful people who have failed him over and over again in our lives, he'll present us as ones who are faultless, and he'll do it with great joy. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's to the praise of the glory of God. Well, thanks for listening to Revive the Drive, and we want to encourage you as you uh, finish out this this, uh, series on salvation to consider your own soul and, and ask yourself, have I been saved? Have I been born again? Have I received the justification of God? Uh, and as you think about that, consider your faith and your repentance and know the promise of God and the invitation of God is to you, that Christ died for you and he rose again and he offers you the, the free gift of eternal life as you would turn to him in faith turning from your sin and from idols and turning to him, the living and true God, and saying, Jesus Christ, I need you. I need you uh, to rescue my soul from sin and death. You know, as you seek God, he promises that you will find him and you will receive eternal life through his son. May God bless you today.